welcome to the School of Risk podcast, where successful risk takers are made and celebrated. We are here to help you become successful risk takers. I am your host, Chizubale Gudo, and today with me on the show is Gary Jones. To enjoy our daily shows, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the School of Risk podcast. Also, subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast channels such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or any of the apps you listen to your podcast on so you don't miss out. We will be there. Does fear hold you back from taking that big risk in life? Do you suffer from anxiety? stress are these things holding you back weighing you down gary jones is here to shed some light on how you can overcome fear overcome anxiety being a specialist in that area he's going to share some deep insight that will help you overcome the fear that's holding you back from taking big risks so you can achieve big goals ladies and gentlemen let's go to school it's fantastic to have you. Welcome. It's a privilege to have you on the School of Risk podcast. Before we begin, I would like you to let our listeners know who you are and what you do. I know you got tons of value to bring. Please, over to you, Gary. Well, thank you. Likewise, what yeah, what a pleasant conversation to have you call me to ask me to do this. It's a real honor. So who am I? Well, I'm Gary Jones. I'm an international speaker. I'm an author of a number one best-selling book. I'm a martial martial artist. That I've been in martial arts for 47 years. That ages me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Too you don't much. look it. You don't look it. <laughs> Sometimes I feel it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, I run a, a Thai boxing school, but in the daytime, my other job is helping people with anxiety, depression, which all comes back to fear. So I guess you could say my speciality is managing fear. Amazing. And that is something that I will always remember when you spoke at my conference in 2018. It was the only talk. And there was a reason why I wanted you to be the last speaker on that, on, on that event, because it was the best closing ever and that resonated not just with me, but with pretty much everyone in the audience. And fear is something that holds many people back from achieving their purpose in life, in business, or in every in whatever sector they're in. Now, how have you been able to help people overcome the fear? Before we go into that, what sort of fears do people typically have in your experience from the people you've dealt with? First thing is knowing yourself, isn't it? You know, that's that's a deep esoteric thing that was put on mystery schools, man, know thyself, which should mm -hmm. be updated, of course. Man. Some of us that are perhaps introverted, you know, that'll be perhaps fear of failure. People that, you know, are really trying to give to everybody else and feel the pressure of that, fear of letting people down, the failure can stem from there. Those that are slightly more confident within themselves, the fears that will hold them back is generally external voices, what people have told them. You're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do that. Friends, family, and some develop that they get beyond that, you know, which is which is great. That's what we're here to talk about. Yes. But generally, yeah, the fears are either, it could be letting yourself down as well, 
but more I would say prevalent is letting other people down that we're too worried about what other people think about us you know that is one of the biggest will I say holdbacks for many people I remember I think it's over five years ago now I was doing some work with a financial services organization and there was another consultant there and I told him my idea of how I want to change the narrative of risk in business and in people's life. And he said to me, oh, come on, cheese, you're never going to be able to do that. You know, you think you're going to change the world? Instantly, that could have been a put off for me. But I knew who I was. I knew what my mission was, what my purpose is, what I want to do. And I wasn't going to let, I didn't respond to him. I just kept, I just said in my mind, well, if I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna change the world, all I can do is try. Not a lot of people have that mindset. How do people, because there's so many out there, how do people overcome that nagging voice in their head? You're not gonna be able to do that. You're not gonna be able to achieve this. You know, it's a lot. How do people get to overcome that? Some examples I'll use. First, perhaps I'll use an old Zen saying, which says that the difference between a student and a master, the master has failed tens of thousands of times. And sometimes I use the analogy about David Beckham. And everybody knows David Beckham. You know, it could be any top athlete. But with Beckham, let's say he had a football at five, six years old and was doing keep-ups. Do you think every time he dropped it, the voice in his head shouted at him and put him down? Or did he just pick up the ball and carry on until he became expert at what he did? And do you think the martial artist, every time they got punched in the face, just left the room and said, do you know what, this is This is not for me. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Or did they say, what did I do wrong? What can mm. I do better? Mm. What did I do right? An even better question but could have done better still. Mm -hmm. And you were, you were spot on. It's the voices in your head. So we're, we're all looking externally for feedback because mm -hmm. the world mirrors what's going on around us. But the reality is it's the internal dialogue. It's either your friend or your enemy. Mm -hmm. And is that the internal dialogue we have with ourselves based on what we've heard people say? more than that because the brain is so creative some of the, some of the best entrepreneurs the best athletes are great when it's going right in their direction but they're even more splendid at hitting the depths of anxiety or depression because of the power of their imagination they've become brilliant business people brilliant athletes through using those creative abilities but if it flips the other way mm -hmm. whoa you know the result can be terrifying wow so let's 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 give a practical tip then to people to slow that dialogue down let's let's do that just very quickly just purely putting your tongue behind your teeth and imagining that there's a ball of olive oil there and just keeping it. If you push too hard, it'll burst. And if you take it away, it'll burst as well. Purely by doing that, you'll slow the chatter down in your brain. Because we know scientifically now that 
when you're thinking, your tongue moves as well. You're actually chat. You are chatting in your head. Mm -hmm. Literally, the tongue is moving. Without the words coming out. The tongue, yeah. If you stop the tongue, still the tongue. You slow down the chatter in your head. So then you can truly listen to people and your internal voice. Everybody says to do active listening, listen better. We've all got taught that from when we were five-year-old, perhaps at school, but nobody told us how to do it. Mm. You know, while you were saying that, I tried to practice that. I just tried to do that exercise of putting my tongue behind my teeth and pressing. I was only focusing on that. You know, I wasn't thinking about anything else. So consciously, I'm forced to pay attention as opposed to allowing thoughts, you know, distract me from what I'm focusing on or I'm trying to listen to. Yeah. So we, that's we all think huge. We think YouTube is bad enough, don't we? But you know, your brain, <laughs> your brain has its own algorithms to send you down tracks that you never believed you were going to get to. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you talk about algorithms, but no one thinks about algorithm of the brain. You know, we always think about algorithm or social media and trying to want to crack those algorithms so we can get more yeah. likes and so on and so forth, but not really thinking, okay, how does my algorithm, my brain algorithm work so I can function better and things like that. Yeah. What if, what if you just sparked something in me there? What if we thought of it that way? What if we thought, how many likes can I get for my purpose, for my dream, for tasks on my back to undertake? Yeah. Amazing. Can we get 10,000 likes for ourselves, that good thoughts, positive thoughts, thoughts. Ahead of why I should do this. So yeah. what is it that drives people to not focus on themselves, but allow what other people say or do influence them when that isn't who they are? How do you, I mean, why do people try to live in the shadows of others and not really, number one, try to understand what their purpose is, define that purpose clearly, and take the steps to get there. Rather, they are, yeah. you know, what's the word I'm looking for? They are devaluing themselves by looking outwards. It's the age-old argument of nature-nurture, isn't it? The, the nurture, us as human beings, being human, we naturally mm -hmm. seek to mimic. We learn so much by mimicking. So you may have had a good experience or a bad experience, mm -hmm. or even the good experience gets interpreted by you into a bad experience, where parents are doing their very best to get, make your environment as positive as it can be. But if you interpret it incorrectly, or you've got a teacher that convinces you something different, you can have 10, 20 people supporting you, and one person could change all that. Mm. It could be an art teacher that just says, forget it. You never forget painting, drawing. You're never going to do anything like that. It could be a math teacher that just says, you're just not getting this, is you? It's not until now I realize in my life I had a form of dyslexia. I couldn't do the number five the right way around. Mm-hmm. I just did it backwards every time. I mirrored it. And the process to try and stop me doing that was to place my hands on the table and hit me with a wooden ruler across the fingers until <laughs> I do it right. You know, I have to say it didn't work too well, 
Yeah. Nah, but in the end, I grew out of it. Yeah. Did that experience destroy me or make me? Who knows? Who knows? But those it's, first it certainly made you. I life. mean, look at where you are today. It certainly made you. Well, I mean, we, we could say that, couldn't we? You, you, you've achieved so much. Your accomplishment is amazing. International speaker. You still run a martial arts gym and all that. You know, so um, it's not everyone has that opportunity. Has got that. You know, well, they have the opportunity, but they've not been able to overcome some of these shortcomings yeah. in their lives. You've done it. You know, I've done it because I've heard so many things thrown in my head to try and place me in a box. I can't yeah. fit in a box. You can't fit yeah. in the box, Gary. You know, so why should but I someone... wasn't always like that? Yeah, I wasn't always like that. You know, 17, shy, stay away from people. Didn't couldn't say boo to a goose much, really. Yeah. Um, but I, I decided that was not who I wanted to be. That was the key thing. Uh, and then found a tool that helped me. We all have to find our own tools, but I found one that helped me was just to look at the world as a game, really. And I, um, it's quite a controversial book, I suppose, really, but The Dice Man by Luke Reinhardt. Um, because if you look at the language in it, really, it was mm -hmm. the language of the time. I, I won't say any more than that, but... <laughs> Basically, the principle was just to throw a dice and whatever the dice told you to be, whatever character or undertaking for that 24 hours, I did it to discover I could be whatever I decided to be. Yeah. I could be a coward or a tyrant. All of that capacity was within me. Yeah. And the fact that I was only trying to do it for a small amount of time made it easy mm -hmm. and then convinced my brain that I could take that further. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's great to hear. Now, on a personal level, from my, in my world, in my world of risk and everything I do around it, I like to ask people, and I think everyone needs to have a certain level of appetite when it comes to taking risk in life or in business. How would you describe your risk-taking appetite? I mean, I, th I think I know the answer based on what I know about you. <laughs> How would you describe that? Uh, I'd put myself in a category of high. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I, yeah. I coach a number of, and I'm, I work within a world of financial traders where, you know, risk to reward ratio is, is a key understanding. Mm -hmm. And really that comes back to the psychology. The best financial traders, it comes back to them knowing the psychology of themselves. Because if you step out of that, you either have to rework on your psychology or you just work within what you're comfortable with. Of course, the best traders in the world work within a higher risk ratio. Yeah. But they understand deeply their subject. So that's, that's a difference, isn't it? To just blindly take a risk. They say God looks after fools and children. Sometimes I'm not so sure, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but personally, myself, yeah, I put it in the high risk. I like to just yes. test myself and say, do you know what? Let's let's just do it. And you, bordering on the what the hell of if it fails, what have, what have I got to lose? Exactly. 
exactly i i love because I, i've done a lot of work with um with traders investment traders in the financial sector and all that and um i love the point you made about the you know in you know financial traders understanding their subject and the whole idea of risk that they take is that they understand that they can take a particular risk for a particular customer or client on their behalf because they know that the outcome could also be a positive not a loss they always tell you you know when you invest in this know that there's a risk of you losing your money and all that stuff but they don't always say that there's a risk of you gaining as well so there's that notion of risk always being on the negative side but there's the flip side of the coin as well which is yes the reward which you mentioned earlier so people need to think more about taking risk because there's also the opportunity of them gaining a reward was that your experience well it's an interesting thing isn't it because i would say sometimes that's a big thing that holds people back mm -hmm. is the reward like a, a good coaching friend of mine would say something like are you ready to be famous really are you are you are you ready to have a large amount of money in your bank account are you ready to be loved i think they should put it that way because if you if you're not you know if you're not if you maybe have been seeking a partner for eight years and just getting nowhere because you don't love yourself and you're not ready for it you know i like so i like just, that just rejecting like that. people you know <laughs> and, the, and the same with money how many people get yeah. money and then it's gone it's gone in moments mm -hmm. because you that reward yeah there is a risk in getting the reward could change you could make you something different could big responsibilities yeah yes yes that needs to be understood too so it's a good question like on the famous one and you can put that into whatever are you ready are you ready exactly that's a good question now so that, that's that's a good question people need to ask themselves now following on from that there's also which we you touched on that earlier people think about we call this in the risk world you know what if what if is the what if analysis and that what if is always based on the what if of something going wrong but you <laughs> you've also turned down the head by saying what if you know there's going to be a big money you know deposit in my account a lot of people think of that what if as failure how do you view failure what's your what, what's your view of failure and how do how should people really be thinking about failure as opposed to what they know now if i put it into one word i would say inertia mm -hmm. you've stopped that's failure yeah death is a good example of that to take it mm -hmm. to an extreme yeah stopping you know how many you must know as well and yes. i know many business people that actually failed numerous times mm -hmm. until one actually made it yeah you know absolutely we, we all know the edison story on the yes. light bulbs but yeah but you know that's on a more personal level it's it's just you know tenacity and resilience that's what will make you achieve whatever goal you're working towards. Absolutely. See, my, my own personal one on a very personal level, at 15, mm -hmm. from 11 years old, I was 
deeply, deeply in love with a girl at school. Took me to 15. I, I, I love to hear that love story. Took me to 15 year old to even get to the point of writing her a letter and telling her we were the best of friends, but I put yeah. in a letter how I felt. But she was going out with another guy. So I read it. I read it as being no. 28 years later, we get together. 16 years now, we've been together. Wow. Tenacity, resilience. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's an amazing. That's a long term story. seduction, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it paid off. It paid off in it the is. end. And it did, you know. Yeah, I'm in such, it paid I'm off in the so, end. What a wonderful relationship we're in. I can't, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, in your book, I've got it right here in front of me. There, there in, um, in chapter two, under one of the exercises, you mentioned something that struck me, where it's exercise number four in chapter two, where you talked about the future could have happened anxiety. Can you explain a bit more what that is? I think I know what it is. And I think a lot of people are in this mode of thinking the future and i think it may be along the lines of you know what we just talked about in relation to failure but can you explain a bit more what that is the future could have happened anxiety that's quite interesting anxiety is creating those what if questions mm. you know and if if you it's the flip side again as i mentioned if you're an extremely anxious person you want to be thankful for that because that means you have very skilled tools of imagination it's why is that not being put, used positively you're putting them in the wrong direction you're yes. asking the wrong questions yes very often leadership is described as asking the right questions but leadership entails other people do you know what the only hero that's coming to save you is you mm. you are your own hero which means you have to ask the right questions so I, literally at the martial arts the other night i did a, i did a meditation on this if, if i'm asking what if things go wrong tomorrow? What if I don't hear the alarm? What if a day's going to go really rough? Or if I took you to a, an ex, real extreme, I said, what if I was God? Mm. What would I do tomorrow? Interesting. And that's about as an extreme as I can take it. But That's a good extreme. Or if I said, what if I had the money? What would it feel like then? Because it's really about what it feels like. It's not the thinking. It's what, mm. it's what the thinking develops the emotions into that drives us emotions are the kinetic part otherwise it's just a thought interesting hold that thought there so there's the thinking but if that thinking does not produce the right feeling that's where the yeah. problem is yeah is that right well let's describe it as when things really go right so we've got the frontal cortex is the source of amazement. It's the source of all our bloody problems, mostly. <laughs> yeah. It's because we overthink. Right? But yeah. the heart knows. The heart doesn't do any thinking. It is called a second brain now, and we're discovering it has its own neurons. But it, it does its fashion of thinking through emotion, through a feeling. So unless I develop that thought into having deep feeling behind it, it's going nowhere. Mm. unfortunately for lots of people that is the anxiety it's destructive to us because we're using that power of imagination that the brain is doing into creating feelings that just wrong chemicals yes yes but if we if we just practiced a little bit and it takes time for some people yeah 
But if you've got the skills to take you down the dark side of it, you have the skills to take you to the other end as well. You just reminded me. Yes, you just reminded me of a book I read, The Secrets, and I know you you're friends with one of the one of the teachers in that in, in that yeah. book. Um, now there's this bit in the circuit where it talks about you imagining, you know, imagining driving in a luxury car, you know, and how that would feel. You don't have it now, but when you imagine that, and I did that exercise then, and the feeling was a good feeling, and yeah. that made me stay on focus to my purpose, my goals, where I'm going to. Now, if the reverse was the case whereby, yeah, I don't have the money for that car. Why should I think about it? You know, you know, I'm just struggling right now. That's producing a negative feeling and the chemicals that that would bring that that would, you know, you know, pour out in me would obviously weigh me down as opposed to keeping me, you know, um, enlightened, you know, to, you know, to, to actually achieving that purpose, you know, and that's, I believe is what you're, what you're, what you're taking, what you're saying here. And this is what a lot of people, because when people think about anxiety or when people are anxious, it's always the wrong kind of anxiety because the anxiety, that's why people are on so much medication, I believe. I'm not saying they shouldn't medicate themselves, but my goodness, if only they can think the reverse or use that anxiety in a positive way. What's the point of medicating yourself for a feeling? How do you medicate a feeling? And of course, for some people, it's, it's, it's been done to such an extreme you know, I might get an answer back from a client or something that I just, I don't even feel I can, I can create that aspect, that emotion. But we all have some emotions in our past somewhere that we can access those first. So start with ones from the past you have felt. You know, and we, one of the things we do, we generalize stuff. So somebody might go, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. What, always? You know, and you can start to draw out, well, no, not always. So there are in there, but if you're overwhelmed by anxiety, which literally will be pictures in your head that are massive and this big, it literally is overwhelming you, then you have to find the small bit and let it grow from there. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just flip from, you know, I just can't even go out, I can't face people or anything, to <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's a ladder that we have to move through. Yes. Now, people, I mean, the last, how many months has it been now since we've had this pandemic and all that? There 18, has been, months now, yeah. yeah, sadly, a lot of people, the anxiety ratio has shot up, you know, it's shot up to, I don't think we have the right data to tell to tell us people the, the amount of people who are you know suffering as a result of the anxiety this has put them through loss of jobs loss of a loved one you just name it you know yeah how what would you say to these ones how you're you're an expert at this career and your book talks a lot about this what would you say to these ones to help them 
deal with this anxiety we've just touched on it down how can they turn this negative feeling that they are getting you know into a positive one so that they can get out of this anxiety and take a much bigger risk from where they are now to get them on that path to um, feeling a lot better about themselves a lot better about their lives and things like that yeah one would be a physical movement um We'll talk about it in a second, but first of all, let's talk about an algorithm. Let's talk mm. about nature. Nature loves simplicity. So let's keep things simple. simple. So an algorithm I give to my clients and students and everybody is that I talk about your only job is to be happy. Esther Hicks, lots of many people out there talk about that. You should be selfish first. Your only job is to be happy. Yes. Because from that position, you can help yourself and everybody else. So what's the algorithm to do that is if it makes you happy, do more of it. And if it doesn't do less of it, that's it. That's simple. That's it. Yeah. Well, people <laughs> don't believe in simplicity, Gary. People don't well, believe in problem. simplicity. Why? Yeah. They'll it pay tens be, of thousands of pounds. It has to be complex. It has <laughs> yes. to be complex. It has to sound like some professor, PhD, whatever. People don't want to be simple. But it's the simple thing that creates the biggest change, the biggest reward. Why do people just not want to just take the simple steps? Because commercially, we've been convinced that's how it is. We've all been indoctrinated into that the more complicated it is, the more the person knows. Believe the science. <laughs> we've heard that a lot. It's outside the window. There's <laughs> <laughs> nature outside the window yes. giving me the answers. You know, the squirrel's busy out there at the moment, stealing all my hazelnuts, <laughs> storing them the way for winter. You know, but he's got the right idea. He's storing stuff for winter. He's not relying on a superstore to give me money all the way through the winter. Yes, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know I can take responsibility of myself. Let's go to that practical technique. Yes, please. I just, I don't know, this is a bit of, bit of stone here, really, a bit of parietes actually is. So when, whether we're anxious or depressed, our left brain hemisphere is supremely active. If, if we did it on an MRI scan, it'd be lit, lit up like London on a best night out. So it's very logical. It's very straight thinking. And that's why even suicide, people say, how could people do that? You know, but it's extremely rational. They'll plan it out over months, perhaps. The people that are really absolutely intent on it. Mm -hmm. So to take that away is simply using both sides of your body. My left hand relies on my right brain hemisphere and the reverse, of course, for my right hand. So just to throw something from hand to hand. Yeah. You know, if you're on a tube train, you're probably going to look a bit strange doing something like that. But <laughs> if, yeah, if you're at home, so just get practice this at home, away from people that are going to go, what are you doing? Yeah, and start questioning and making you feel too conscientious about it. Is that just the same thing as is that the same thing as using a Rubik's cube? Because it is in two hands. Using a Rubik's cube, you know. If I'm warming students up in a martial arts class, we might march up and down the room with putting left knee to right elbow. We might be doing sit-ups mm. and going from one knee to another. All of those 
of putting you into a brainwave state, and we won't get too scientific about it, believe the science. Yeah, let's just stay simple with it. That yeah, it puts you in brainwave states that are calm, that will produce the right chemicals in your body to make you feel good. Now, I've done this with clients that have been basically, you know, in, in mental health hospitals mm -hmm. to change their state there. I'm up against then the chemicals they're being given as well. Mm -hmm. Trust but me, I'm with you on that. Get them into a rem removed state from how they were feeling to momentarily, even if it's just five or 10 seconds, a belief that I can feel different just by changing where the activity in the brain is functioning. Yeah. Wow. And how simple is that? It's the simple things that create the better results. It has no side effects. They have no side effects. These simple practical exercises that's just natural to us. You know, movement is important in this when you're in when you're in a state of anxiety. Uh, I know you touched on this um, briefly. You talked about um, suicide briefly. Um, yeah. Now, I noticed in your book, and I didn't know this, you, I mean, by the way, the book is called A Life Without Fear by Gary Jones. So everyone go get this book. It's really, it's a, it's a really important book and there's so much to learn from this. Now, you mentioned that suicide, it's one of the largest um death rates amongst men in the uk i didn't know that yeah i didn't know that because I, we don't I want to talk about say it. heart disease and all that stuff because uh, yeah yes I, I didn't know that the data is not there we don't hear about this no it's more and more briefly we've gone through a stage mental health just wasn't talked about and, and quite often it's talked about a lot but not the brutal side of it mm -hmm. that we now should that, be doing more for yes, it and, and yes. it. And we're in that stage where yes i really should do something about this that's yes. the stage we're in and it has to go through all those stages you can't just change everything overnight. Uh, absolutely now on that yeah. brutal side that people don't talk about because one thing i want to do on this show is to delve deep into the things people think about but are too afraid to talk about you know and i feel when people talk about things that's that's deep that set that's weighing upon them. Yeah. What drives someone to? I mean, I'm sure thousands of us have thought about. I've thought about killing myself at some point. We've all had that thoughts maybe at times, but obviously it's just a fleeting thought. But for some people, how does someone have that thought of suicide and stay on that path until they actually carry it out? how do we identify this and what are some of the signs how can we identify this and help people feel better about themselves because i feel uh, part of my limited experience on this i feel you know it's not feeling good about yourself is one of the things that can drive one to feel to take that step of committing suicide and how tragic yeah. how sad that 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 is you know young people these days there's been an increase of that since the last 12 months or 18 months during the pandemic. We're not hearing so much of that. There's been, there, I saw a few news articles on that, but God knows how many people would have gone through that because we've never been in this situation before where we've all been locked down, no movement, no interaction with nature. 
And maybe we would have, maybe if we'd have put the effort into daily numbers of youths, and in particular, you know, so Jordan Peterson talks about suicide. It's not that women don't have the thoughts as much as men to men. commit suicide. It's just men are more brutal with it. Wow. And, and we choose methods that are, you know, terrible, really. Um, but if, maybe if we were, it was in our faces being heard about all of this, maybe we would do more. But your, but your question was, what, how do we reckon? It's a very complex subject. Yes. And one of the things I do with clients, I don't judge. I don't judge. And if if they're adamant on it, I don't take the position. This is going to sound perhaps bad as well. <laughs> Mine's mm -hmm. probably not working for the NHS. It's mm -hmm. like, I feel they'll open up more to me if I'm not judging and saying and trying yeah. to convince them to save their lives. Because from that position, very often, it's easier to show them a different way. But if, if, you, if I'm coming from a point of view of conflict of interest, Mm -hmm. never going to get anywhere what are the signs do you know what even with me sometimes it will escape you because people really keep it to themselves yeah what can we do smile more now that helps ourselves and it helps others and we really don't do it enough we don't there's a good friend of yours and mine julian mm-hmm um, a goal we've set between us, we keep reminding each other on a regular basis, is to create millionaires, not millionaires. Millionaires. Mm, millionaires. I love that. Yeah. I love that. How many? We've all heard the saying of small but a stranger in the street, and you may save a life in the day. You know, probably most people are thinking if I smile at somebody, they're going to think the wrong thing of me because that's the culture <laughs> we're living in. At that's the, moment, the culture. You know, uh, you know I'm going to get arrested. Gary. They're going to think I'm coming. You know. Oh, my goodness. I have experienced that sometimes. I mean, I'm a natural. I'm someone who smiles naturally. And I see people, I just smile at them to just say greeting. And, you know, it's so sad that we have to hold back our smiles because we don't want to give someone the wrong impression. What the hell? Seriously, it's just a but smile. It doesn't anyone. hurt. <laughs> how, can, how can we really? Yeah, I'm, one of the one of the people I love reading at the moment is a, a Russian gentleman called Vadim Zeland, um, who's an astrophysicist, and you know he talks a lot about importance. And I think this is mm -hmm. he described it better than I've ever tried to, which is we get problems in our lives through anxiety, depression, or fear. By attaching importance to it like what people think about us because the people that really make it in life it's about you being unique and celebrating you being unique yes and if i have my own opinions and thoughts about stuff i'm also very willing to change them because i'm not naive to think that i knew it all at six years old and i didn't change anything because i'm completely different in my thought process mm -hmm. and beliefs from them but I'm also really comfortable with how I feel and how I approach life now. And if somebody takes offense at me smiling, that's really about them. It's, it's not about it's me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really not about me. We're going I to try know, and create. Having. Yeah, we're going to create a lot more millionaires on these shows because 
if you're focusing on becoming a millionaire and you're not a millionaire, I don't think you're adding any value to this world. So we need people yes. to smile more. We need people to smile more. So we're going to create lots more million millionaires on this show. And that's what well, we want to do. Well, there's a risk to reward ratio, isn't it? Yeah, I could go out today. Um, I will smile at every single person. I could set that as an objective. I play my dice man game and I throw in the dice. I've got to be a millionaire today and I've got to smile to everybody I meet. Now, the risk ratio is somebody may take offense and smack me in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I may have smiled to 99. That wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. And felt... No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know who you are. <laughs> but if I've smiled at 99 yeah. and they've made me feel amazing, I'm going to continue feeling amazing to do it even more tomorrow. Absolutely. The dopamine's going to kick in. Yeah. There's the like come. Nothing to do with Facebook's not even collecting my data. Yes, that's you know? your own mental wow. algorithm. Yes. <laughs> Are you always motivated? No. I'm human. I'm exactly. Human, you know? Yes. Yes. You know, yes. So, you know, this is the thing I tell coaches as well is that the clients that turn up for you, they're reflecting something in you. Mm. I'll give you an extreme example. At one point, I had, oh, I don't know, five to six people that, that turned up with bulimia or anorexia. And I'm thinking, what? And I'm just thinking, what is this? I don't advertise to deal with stuff like that. And they were just one in line with another, you know. What is what's going on here that I need to learn a lesson from? And then I realized, geez, my workload has got so much. I've skipped breakfast, skipped lunch. I'm having dinner and grabbing it on the fly because I'm trying to serve so many people. I need to back off, otherwise I'm going to be ill. That was the lesson of those clients turning up for me. Mm -hmm. You're going down that very route yourself. Mm -hmm. So we we may be coaching people. But we need coaches too. You know, if we believe in it, we should have two or three coaches, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Or we don't believe in it, and we shouldn't yeah. be in the industry. Yeah. Get out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I don't call myself a coach, although I've coached people, but I've also no, had coaches as well because well, yours people, would be if, yes. if you're not taking risk then you shouldn't be in the business exactly exactly or yeah or having you some somebody that supports you into yes maybe maybe you could be bigger than you think you maybe you're, you're underestimating the market you could reach Mm -hmm. somebody that asks you those questions that could be a partner very often it is we yeah. find those partners that ask us those awkward questions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're telling everybody about this gary but why aren't you doing it yourself yes oh, good question <laughs> that's scratching the head <laughs> yeah and you see you know there there's been a floodgate of coaches you know just poured they've just flooded yeah. out there now and many of them don't even practice what they are trying to help me do you know and i see through them and when i looked at their profiles i said i mean i said to myself what's this person got to offer because they're not doing this i mean I've, I've spoken to some of them they're not actually doing what they are trying to do for me they haven't got a good track record from a career point of view and when you look at the career their their career 
what they're coaching is not even what they've practiced. How can you be a coach? How can you help someone? It's something that you yourself haven't done for a long time. So I think coaches need to let's, learn from this. Let's bless them, my friend. They're an advantage for you and I. Yeah? Yes. Because then people see the contrast. They see the absolutely. So, oh, they may have even invested with them, spent some time with them. Mm. This is like, it's, it's not for me. And it may be just they didn't get on with them, but then they'll seek out the expertise. But how do we identify the expertise if we don't have the contrast the other side? That's true. That's true. And I always advise people, you know, I always advise people, you know, when they come to me and they say they want to start a business and things like that, I always say, what's your experience? What have you done? What are the things you are passionate about? Let's start yeah. with what you have a skill in, not in something entirely new. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where to start from. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's been a light bulb moment for a few people who I've spoken to, who have come to me for, for business advice and things like that. And some just want to go on just doing what they believe that they think is right, but in the long run, it doesn't work out or it works out. I mean, we'll, we'll give them kudos for trying anyway, because not a lot of people have the guts to try something new. So we get them the kudos for it. But I believe you just need to know your market, know your audience. You have to have a track record for people to build credibility on what you have to offer and what you say. I have been yeah. practicing what I do for the last nearly 20 years. Risk is my thing. It's not just my, it's not, it's a way of life for me. It's not just what I do to make money. You know, and I'm able to speak that in so many different ways, in so many different languages for people to gain value from it. And that's what you're doing as well, Gary, because I, to be honest, you, you know, you inspire me. When I think about you and I think about how you've impacted many people, you know, you inspire me. Uh, we didn't talk much about the about you about Muay Thai. So, you know, yes, you've been you've been in the martial arts, you know, um, industry for 20, 30 years. 47. I was seven years old when I started martial arts. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. What has been the biggest lesson that you have taken away from martial arts into other aspects of life that is benefiting you today? Because there, there's the element of physical, obviously there's that physical exercise, keeping yourself fit and all that, and that's important. So how is that important? What's been the biggest lesson and how, why, is that, why should that be an important element of people's lives that they are physically fit? I'd, I'd open up by saying what I'd say to all students who start in the school then. So what I tell them is that, look, this is a full contact sport, a bit like life. Life's a full contact sport, but yes. there are rules in Muay Thai and there are not in life. And at some point, you're going to get a smack in the nose. If you're training with somebody, somebody's going to smack you in the nose, may even get a nosebleed, something. And you have a choice then. This is what freedom of will is. You have a choice of how you act or react. And you could go to anger, blame, lash out, Many people do. That's not going to get the right reaction from me. Mm. What I want to hear that person say when they get a smack in the mouth is thank you. Like in life, for the things that go wrong, just say thank you. There's a lesson in there somewhere, but you haven't learned it yet. And then the other person, 
if they've done the hitting and created the nosebleed, if I hear them say sorry, <laughs> they're called to the middle of the room and we give them leg kicks. Oh my and that's goodness. Probably about the most painful thing that could happen in the tie. Yeah. Because what you've done by saying sorry, if it was me that hit someone, I've robbed them of the lesson. Because right. I said that was my responsibility. It was nothing to do with you. But you came here to learn how to defend yourself. And you didn't. You missed the block. That was the lesson. And you got a hit in the nose. So if I say sorry, rob you of that lesson, then you have to go on to the next person and they'll thump you in the nose and the next person and they'll thump you in the nose mm -hmm. until you learn the lesson. Ah, it's I have to do it. I have to take my response ability and block the punch. And at least in the Thai boxing, there are some rules to help you learn life in. But when we go out to the outside world, mm -hmm. God knows what's coming at you. But if so, you learn to say thank you, mm -hmm. it'll get easier. Right. And seek the advantage in what's just happened. Great word, advantage. I got yeah. hit in the nose. Oh, advantage. What was the advantage in that? I'll probably block it quicker next time. <laughs> and I'll look out for that. So yeah. in the li in life in life situations, or it, obviously that that's in the dojo, that's in the ring, you know, yeah. you know where you guys. You well, know, if that train. was a failure, yes, yeah. Thank you. What a lesson that was. Let's use right. financial trading, you know. Jeez, yeah. the money's gone. Now, yes. If you probably, if you understood the market and you'd studied the risk, you think you should be coming from a point of view of. Doesn't matter if I lose the money. Doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, but most it's people part, will say the that. They'll say that, but when it gets to it and they're watching it go down, oh, yeah, they get emotional about it. I've dealt with so many. Not like learned that. anything. You've yeah. not learned the lesson, and you'll lose it again and again and again. Uh, and if that's you went, true. Thank you. If you go, thank you. Right, right. Now let's have a look. How did I arrive at making that decision, and what would I do better next time? Yes. And that should be the question a lot of um, a lot of us need to ask ourselves, not just traders. I mean, working with traders, I've seen that happen many times. They lose money, they're fretting, jumping all around. Oh my goodness, what have I done? I've lost money. Da da da. That tells well, me that you don't know the job. Yeah, You're well, not ready for the job. even even if it's romance, you know, you've been with somebody six months, you find out they're sleeping with your best mate. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Right. How do you say thank you for that? They saved you. They saved you. I could have been 16 years into this marriage with kids. I see. House, everything in it. Thank goodness it happened. That I now. found thank out you, now. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Yes. That is a wonderful lesson, Gary. We have come towards the end of this episode, this podcast. Now, we have something we do at the end of each podcast. And it's right. time for the superhero question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's about making people smile. So I want people to smile. And I'm going to ask you this question. Out of all the existing superheroes that you know from growing up, which one describes you best and why? Well... Probably Batman then, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And I say that because he's 
just a human being mm. being human which is serving others yeah he does what he does not with any superhuman powers mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah as a human protecting others that's why i would say that i think that's great because that's what you do serving others that's what you do you serve others you are helping people in ways that you know uh when i when i think about it i i don't know how i can do half of what you do gary in the way you are helping people deal with anxiety deal with stress deal with you know anorexia bulimia all those things all those mental you know mental health issues and you've done so much of that and that's you serving people through your superhuman or superhero capabilities which you're doing there's so much you offer there's so much you do gary and i'm sure people listening listening to this will want to reach out to you how do people connect with you find you reach out to you to either be their coach in the ring or to be their coach in life or to help them with one problem or the other anxiety these are the things you do how can people reach out to you i'll send some links that maybe you can put up on the podcast later but essentially the contact of www gary jones coaching that's gary with g a double r y jonescoaching.com you'll find me there Fantastic. also on facebook linkedin you know with all the things we have to be on now um, <laughs> that's probably the best route to talk to me personally fantastic gary it's always a pleasure it's always an honor thank you so much for being on this show there's so much we're going to do as time goes on and i want to say thank you to you for everything that you do because you are impacting lives you are impacting lives on a positive level and you know thank we you. getting to meet each other you've impacted my life as well and we're doing what we're doing now and i know we're going to go on to do so much more in the future so thank you for everything we do and um on that note i want to say thank you listeners i hope you've enjoyed this show and we will continue to project positivity by creating smillionaires. Remember that term. You heard it here. Smillionaires. So smile more every day. Risk takers, if you would like to listen to more inspiring shows like this one, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at our handle, the School of Risk Podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or any of the apps you listen to your podcast on so you don't miss out on future episodes. Until next time, risk takers, stay focused on your purpose and let us grow the risk takers tribe.